Read Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24 to begin. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Look over with me in Matthew chapter 10, just a few pages to the left. Look with me at verses 37 through 39. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Let us pray this morning. Father God, we come to you today and we see this principle of denying ourselves. And Lord, I pray that through the preaching of your word, may it not just be something that we hear and our knowledge understands it, but Lord, may we put it into practice. May we identify specific areas today that are holding us back from being true followers and disciples of you. Lord, you know my heart, and as I prayed a few moments ago before entering this platform, that I'd be a help to the listener today. Father, I thank you for such a great crowd of folks, and we're thankful for the body of Christ that's assembled here this morning for one purpose, one purpose only. And that is to give you glory, both within this building and within our own personal temple our body. And Father, I pray that you give me the right words to say. I pray that you'll fill me with your spirit. I pray that we not be distracted by the exterior things, but Lord, we focus on truth. We focus on uh, what is uh, being presented from your word. And uh, Lord, that through it, through the, both the truth and your spirit, that you will be a help to us today. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Some have claimed that the Bible is complicated and hard to understand. While there are uh, some passages of Scripture that uh, are uh, uh, more difficult to understand, much of the Bible is pretty straightforward. Today we begin a new series as, of course, we're looking at this theme of the commands of Christ. Uh, but specifically within this series, we're going to be looking at Christ as Lord. Christ as Lord. What does that mean? It means that you make a conscious choice to let him be in charge and ruling and reigning in your life. That means that you will submit your will beneath his will. That means that he becomes your master and you become his servant. Jesus told us fairly clearly that is required, what is required to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24, there are four simple steps in being a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And very simply, number one, they are come after me. The very first step is that we need to come after Christ. We need to see his light and go towards it. Number two, we need to deny ourselves. While many of us have a heart to say, I want to be close to God, I want to know God, I need to fellowship with God, the very first obstacle that we must get over is our own pride. We must deny our self. Number three, take up his cross. Number four, 
follow me. If you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior, then you have completed the first step. Congratulations, only three more to go. You have uh, completed that first step of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've spent, we, we, uh, we have spent much of the rest of this month, we've spent much of the rest of this month talking about how to come to Christ, uh, for salvation. Uh, what's next to be Christ's disciple apart from salvation? You must develop a discipline of denying yourself. As I think of historical examples of someone who denied themselves, I perhaps think of one of the greatest uh, leaders America has ever uh, known, and that is uh, Commander uh, George Washington, and ultimately the first president of the United States. George Washington's life and actions uh, provide a compelling example of self-sacrifice, denying oneself for the greater good of others. During the Revolutionary War, Washington's leadership is often cited as a prime example of self-sacrifice. As he endured tremendous personal hardships, including harsh winters in Valley Forge, the constant threat of British capture. Washington led his, his troops through uh, these challenging times, often sharing in their suffering, demonstrating his commitment to the cause of American independence above personal comforts. He would skip meals sometimes so that his food could be passed away uh, along to uh, another starving man. After the war, Washington was in a position of immense influence. After having led uh, uh, this uh, great uh, army through uh, the Revolutionary War and, and uh, overcoming uh, obstacles and, and a situation that, uh, as we read through history, did not look very likely for victory. Some have even suggested that he would become a monarch after the case or uh, a ruler over uh, an ex uh, with extensive power. He firmly rejected such offers, instead choosing to relinquish his military command to ret retire to his Mount Vernon estate. His decision to give up power and support uh, the establishment of a, uh, a, a republic set a, a critical precedent for this new nation. Despite his reservations, he was uh, unanimously, unanimously elected as the first president of the United States. He served two, two terms and uh, played a critical role in shaping the nation's early institutions. Washington's leadership was marked by his commitment to unity, the rule of law, and the principles of the Constitution, even when it went, meant making difficult decisions. In his farewell address, Delivered at the end of his second term, Washington emphasized the importance of unity, avoiding political uh, uh, factionism, maintaining a strong commitment to the principles of the new nation. He lived a life of self-denial, and, and as a result, America is still the greatest country on planet Earth, even some 247 years later. While Mr. Washington showed us what self-denial for a country looks like, uh, you and I have been called to deny ourselves for, a, uh, for uh, our uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the challenge one, uh, this is a challenging one we must win from within as we battle the sinful flesh. Do you understand with me this morning, many Christians are only interested in the version of Christianity that does not infringe 
on their flesh. We like the idea of church because it gets us connected to people. We like the idea of uh, God being a supreme being that looks over us and cares for us and loves us and offers us hope. But perhaps we look at God and we don't like the element of Him ruling our life. They want to come to church on Sunday and look the part, talk the part, act the part. And the rest of the week enjoy the leadings of the sinful flesh. Jesus says, if you are going to be my disciple, then you must deny yourself. Christian, when was the last time you said no to your sin? When was the last time you sat on the couch and, and you uh, had a fleshly desire to do something and, and you wrestled and you wrestled and you wrestled and finally you said, no, I'm not going to do that. When was the last time that a thought came through your mind and you took the passage of Scripture that says, casting down every imagination and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and you said, I'm done to that thought. How many of us today, we've, uh, we've sat across the desk from our boss and we looked at him and, 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 and we could lie to uh, advance our own personal causes, but we said, I'm going to speak truth with these lips. When was the last time we wrestled and overcame our sinful ambitions. When was the last time your, fleshly cra- you fl- uh, uh, your flesh craved something and you denied that craving? Let's look at two thoughts as we highlight the struggle that goes on within each of us. Let's look at this command of Christ to deny yourself. Number one, as we begin this morning, we have to see the desires of the flesh. What does our flesh desire? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I love the book of Romans. We get a uh, really a full scope of the Christian life. And we understand that all are guilty. Everyone's guilty before God. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we find that there is a, a punishment that comes to the sinful soul. And that is separation from God for all of eternity. But thanks be to God that He sent His only begotten Son to this earth to die for the sins of all mankind. We look at chapter 7 and uh, verse number 14 here, just before we enter what I believe to be a mountaintop uh, experience of the Christian as we look to the victory of Christ, we must first look to the valley that comes before the mountain in chapter eight, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find Not Jump down to verse number 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
And just before we see what God is going to do in chapter 8 and how he has overcome sin and we are new creatures in him. And as he has created in us a a, a renewed spirit, uh, we must see that we have a sinful flesh that desires to do evil things. The Apostle Paul here, he's, he's a saved individual. He's one that loves the Lord. He's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even he says, I have a desire to do good. I have a desire to please the Lord. But my flesh constantly gets in the way. And the things that I don't want to do, the sin, the evil, the wickedness, I find my flesh constantly creeping back and constantly wanting to uh, do those things. And I, I, I'm in this uh, constant battle and wrestling within me. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Anytime your flesh wants something, you should immediately become suspicious. Anytime you have a thought that says, hey, I think you should go do this, we need to have a red flag pop up in our mind and say, hold on, hold on, why does the flesh want this? What's the end game of this? We understand that Ecclesiastes says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And some of us need to have this discipline where we say, my flesh only desires evil. And I don't want to pursue that anymore. And I don't want to follow my flesh. I don't want to be a fool any longer. Even if on the surface there is nothing wrong with what your flesh wants, you should look uh, with great scrutiny at the uh, movement, the, uh, the motives rather behind the desire. Paul said, I want to do right, but my flesh keeps getting in the way. How many of you have some sort of sinful habit in your life from which you just can't break away? Some kind of addiction, maybe it's some kind of lust or laziness or a drug or perhaps even overeating or overspending. Maybe it's even rebellion against authority. The list could go on and on. You want to quit. But the desire of your flesh is so great that you seemingly cannot. So within the desires of the flesh, I want us to see specifically the social acceptance Our flesh desires social acceptance. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Last week we highlighted that everyone wants to be accepted by those around them. God built us that way. In fact, even in... Uh, Our life group this morning in my class, we're talking about how to counsel people that are struggling with loneliness. And all of us have loneliness from time to time. We've seasons where maybe there's a a death of a loved one and we feel uh, uh, all alone. Or maybe perhaps we're a social misfit and we're not connecting to people like we should. And we all struggle with loneliness. Uh, and, And why is that? Because we naturally desire to be accepted from people. God has built us that way. Nobody likes being the odd one out. Oftentimes we uh, will uh, change who we are to fit in with the crowd we want to be a part of. In Matthew chapter 26, we find Peter following Christ at a distance. Pastors often mention this to us, that Peter's direction was right, but his distance was wrong. Instead of being by Christ's side... 
he finds himself sitting by the fire with a crowd of unbelievers. Peter's flesh gets the best of him and he begins denying the very Christ that he loved. Look at verse number 69, Matthew chapter 26, verses 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast uh, with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know now not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. He again and again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came uh, unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then uh, began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Some folks are so bent on being accepted that they say and do sinful things just to fit in with the crowd around them. The flesh leans towards acceptance even if it means denying Christ. We understand that Peter was one that was so close to Christ, And he was one that we find repeatedly through Scripture is kind of in the in crowd. And he even uh, goes with Jesus with a select few on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw incredible things of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he saw the miracles and he saw uh, the raising of Lazarus and he saw uh, the blind being made whole. And, and yet we find that he is now distanced himself from Jesus, full well knowing that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He now was in a different crowd, no longer a crowd that follows Jesus. What happens? Just a little bit earlier, Peter says, Christ, I will never deny you. I have your back. I will never deny you. Jesus looks at him and says, surely, Peter, you will. You will. Just you wait. You're going to have an opportunity. Sure, everything's all fine and dandy when you're here in this congregation, when you're here in this type of culture. But as soon as you get out of here, Peter, as soon as you're not with the twelve anymore, you will deny me. And so many of us today, we come to church and we sit here and we sing the praises of our God. We say we love him and we have our Bibles open. But some of us tomorrow will leave here and we'll head to our workplace and our friends and our co-workers will look at us and say, what did you do over the weekend? With a little bit of a stammer in our voice, we'll say, I, 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 I was with my family and we went out. You're not even willing to say that you go to church. Some of you will uh, 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 go through hardships and, and, and you may in your own private time turn to God and say, hey, I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need your comfort. I need your peace. But when other people around you see that great peace and comfort resting upon your life and they ask, you tremble at the thought of having to say, it is God that does that for you. We, de we desire social acceptance from the people that are around us. But letter B, we desire soul authority. We want to be accepted, but we want to be in charge. 
Turn over to James chapter 4. My flesh is rebellious, and so is yours. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Even when I am wrong and being corrected, the very next go-to is to point out the hypocrisy of that authority. All of us have had times of this. All of us have been looked at right in the eye and said, you are in the wrong. And you know what we want to do? Instead of taking some humble pie and saying, they're the authority in my life and they're right, our flesh says, no, 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 Andrew, you're in charge. What does that person know? They have their flaws. They have their inadequacies. They have their inconsistencies. You're better than them. You should be in charge. The truth of my the truth is my flesh wants control. I want to be in charge of my life. I want to uh, uh, be my own God. Many of us uh, uh, are not atheists. Most of, most of us in the world are not atheists today. But many of us are practicing atheists. What do I mean by that? Atheists, sometimes they come to that conclusion or they want to be atheists because they don't want to submit that there is a God in heaven that has a will and a desire for their life and has a prescription of what is right and what is wrong. And they don't want to acknowledge that because if if they're able to push against that acknowledgement, then they become their own God. They become the most supreme being that they know. Many of us as Christians, even though we will not say there is no God, we live our life like there is no God. You come in here and you hear the preaching of God's word and you know that the pastor or the preacher or the life group leader or, or, or somebody who is authority in your life, they pinpoint something specifically through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you are wrong. You are off. And you simply deny the authority of God's word piercing your heart. You say, no, I think that preacher's off. I think that scripture's off. I think they're just trying to weaponize the scripture and they're just trying to harm me. And so they deny it. Perhaps maybe you don't even think that much. Maybe you just come in and you come into this service and you think that just being here on a Sunday morning uh, merits you God's pleasure in your life. And you can leave and go out of here and do whatever you want. No, God needs to have full control of what you do. And you shouldn't just desire to come in here and get your ears tickled and leave. But it's a work. Uh, You've come in. You hear the preaching of God's word. You discern, God, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to improve on? What do you want me to be encouraged by? And then you leave and you put it in practice. My friend, a lot of us, we have great, uh, we have great expectations of church and we pray and we, we come down to the altar. But as soon as we walk out these doors, it's all gone. We don't even think, what practically do I need to put into action today? James chapter 4, if you're there, verse 1 says this, From, thence, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they, not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members. There's a fight that we have to overcome within our own bodies. We lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. 
Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. We desire to have sole authority over our own will, over our own desires, over what our morality says. Is that not what our culture is saying today? What is right for you may be good for you, but it's not right for me. And we all must submit to the morality that is within the pages of this book, that what God says settles it. And I believe what's in this book. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature unto all good works. We must submit to the guidance of God and the instruction in His Word. Not only do we have social, uh, uh, we, we want to be socially accepted and we want to be uh, in charge, we want sole authority, but let her see we have sinful appetites. Sinful appetites. We have a lot of scripture to cover today to back up this point of denying ourselves, and I encourage you, if you're able to, Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at verse number 22, Ephesians 4. I believe that all. Uh, 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 I believe that of all of the ways Christ win, or uh, Satan rather wins the battle against uh, Christians is he trips them up through sinful fleshly appetites. Oftentimes these are developed before we get saved and then plague us after we are saved. Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's a. Uh, a, a drug addiction, or maybe it's uh, uh, some kind of uh, uh, lust or something to that regard. Sometimes they are developed even after we're saved, when we're maybe in a backslidden state, and we're not seeking God the way that we should, and we've been uh, out of church for a while, and, and, and Satan dangles the hook of temptation in front of us. And we may succumb to that, and we may be hooked and grabbed and... As a result, uh, we just can't break these sinful appetites. We allow sinful habits to get the stronghold in our life, and then we cannot seem to be able to deny ourselves. Ephesians 4.22 says this, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Go with me down to verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give out to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Go, go with me to chapter 5, maybe over in your Bibles, verse number 3. But fornication and all uncleanness and, uh, or covetousness, let uh, it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor uh, foolish talking nor jesting. Which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor uh, covetous man, who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. If you're looking back at chapter 4, verse number 22, we find this phrase, Put off concerning the former conversation. 
the former lifestyle, the former things you used to do, either in a backslidden state or an unsaved state, this is what it represents. It's saying you have a cloak of sin. You have a coat that is around you, that draws you to sin, that, 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 that it pushes you to do these uh, wicked things that are contrary to God. And what the Bible is saying is take that coat off. Put it away. Don't wear that anymore. You don't need to be living in bondage to that. You can put that off. There's a whole list as we just read in in, uh, verses 25 down through 31. And then over in the next chapter. And we find a whole list of these things that we are to put off. And my friend, if you find yourself in any of these categories, if you are a liar, you find yourself habitually uh, lying, then you need to put that off. If you find yourself uh, giving dirty jokes and corrupt communication, you need to put that off. If you find yourself angry and, and you find yourself in fornication and you find yourself ingesting and filthy talking, listen, my friend, none of us need to be wrapped in that anymore. Take that off. Paul tells the church of Ephesus that there are some sinful habits that that church had when they were lost. But through the power of the Holy Spirit working within uh, you, these things have to go. You cannot be a disciple of Christ and hold on to these things. And when it comes to the desires of the flesh, uh, Christians must learn to live by two principles. The, pr- uh, the principle of uh, prohibition. If God says it, no, then I must tell my flesh, no. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm prohibiting this from my life. We can do that through standards. We can set up different fence posts in our our life and say, I'm not even going to come close to that boundary that God has said clearly is something I should not be involved in, but also a principle of moderation. If God allows the flesh to enjoy it, then I must do so moderately and appropriately. How many saved people are not truly disciples because they refuse to deny their sinful appetites? Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny, what's that next word? Himself. Take up his cross and follow me. What is the desires of the flesh? Social acceptance. Soul authority. Sinful appetites. But there is a much better way to live. And that leads us to point number three. Our devotion to Christ. Our devotion to Christ. Paul articulates the great struggle that he was experiencing in Romans chapter 7 of losing the battle to his flesh. Someone uh, 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 keenly observed that Paul uses the pronouns I 33 times in Romans chapter 7. When our focus is on ourselves, we will continue to fail and fall. When our focus is on Christ, then he can give us the victory over sin. Romans 8 offers us the solution to the failure of our flesh in Romans chapter 7. Romans 8 talks about the victory through Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. Want to guess how many times the pronoun I is used in chapter 8? Only twice. So 33 times in chapter 7, only twice in chapter 8. Why? Because it's no longer us 
that does the work. It is Christ that's doing the work. We'll look at that here if you go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse number 10. And the commandment which I, uh, which, which was ordained uh, to life, I found to be unto uh, uh, death because of sin. Or uh, I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm in the wrong chapter here. Um, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make you alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, because of what Christ is doing, look at this now. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but we are. Uh, but if ye live after the flesh, ye are dead. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live for as many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Paul tells us that if we are going uh, uh, to live victoriously through Christ, then we cannot be in the flesh. And that we are to live a devoted life to please God by yielding to the Spirit. We are to mortify the desires of the flesh and allow God's Spirit to quicken or make alive our bodies for the purpose of pleasing God. Christ. And as I illustrated just a moment ago, when Paul says, put off concerning the former conversation, change your lifestyle, take that wickedness, that cloak of wickedness off, he doesn't just say, take it off and then see what comes on later. He says that you can put on certain things. We'll look at that here in this point, that we, we all have the desire sometimes to uh, get rid of uh, maybe wicked music or maybe we desire to uh, quit swearing uh, at our workplaces. And sometimes we have uh, a desire to do different things and put off certain sin. But if we find in Scripture today, there are some things we need to put in its place. There's a principle of putting off and putting on. You understand, anybody can go to uh, their uh, iTunes uh, library today and go through their music and just start deleting. But then, when you're having a, a quiet day at work and you need some music, you don't have anything in your library, guess what? You're going back to the old music. You're going back to the old things you used to turn to. Why? Because you didn't put in its place something good. If you're going to get rid of the music, guess what? Fill something in its place that's good. If you want to stop swearing and you want to stop using uh, your mouth for evil things, you know what you need to do to put, in your, in it, uh, put something in its place? Start sharing Scripture. Start talking about God. Start witnessing for Christ. Listen, the more you start putting on Christ and you take off, uh, the more you put on Christ, the, the more it's going to be easy for you to take off the former things put good things in its place. As we look at this devotion to Christ, I want us to see letter A, the Savior's approval. The Savior's approval. Go with me back over to Matthew chapter 26, and we'll look at uh, our, our passage of Scripture that we've uh, read. We'll look later at Matthew chapter 10 again. But right after Peter denies 
Christ, right after he, his flesh wins out in the battle of approval, Peter remembers the words of Jesus which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's sinful desires went out. Once Peter denied the Lord, he heard the sounds of the rooster and realized that the prophecy of Jesus had come true. At that very moment, Jesus looked at Peter and Peter realized that he did not have the Savior's approval. He realized that he had just let Jesus down. What should be our motivating factor that allows us to swim upstream against the culture? We're only, uh, we are only in this to earn our Savior's approval and no one else. We need to look to Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 37 uh, through 39. We read this earlier. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I think it's interesting sometimes that in my own life, uh, sometimes I don't know what God's going to do. And sometimes I, uh, I'm always thankful for the opportunity to preach, but... Uh, sometimes I just don't know what's around the corner and, and when I'll kind of get the green light to, to get up and preach. And prior to this message, I uh, was uh, just struggling with some things. And um, my wife and I, we've been talking as of late about uh, just uh, what God truly desires from our life. What does he really want from us? And from our perspective, of course, we're in uh, ministry here, and we love working in White Oak Baptist Church. It's, it really has been uh, the greatest years of ministry for both me and my family. And we love each and every one of you, and we're uh, uh, even this opportunity to stand up here is, is just so humbling. And I, uh, I get to glean and learn so much from being up here, and, and I just have a heart to, to try to help. And I, I really love this season, but you know what? In, in ministry, especially here, we have a very busy schedule. We have a lot of things that go on. And a lot of times it doesn't allow for uh, extended vacation times. And, of course, Christmas is perhaps the biggest season of, of uh, the, uh, uh, on our church calendar. And we're getting ready for uh, our, our Christmas uh, program and all the different things that revolve around uh, Christmas. But you know what most of, the, most of the world does? Perhaps even many in this room today. Christmas is not necessarily revolving around church, but rather it begins to revolve around family. Making sure that you're scheduling your family time. And there's a value in that, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we begin to sacrifice a lot of church activities and programs and areas where people are coming to know Christ. All on the altar of, uh, uh, well, I need, to be on, I need to be with my family. And I understand in ministry, this, there's not a lot of time. I'll be, I'll be preaching on Christmas Eve and I'll get a lot of opportunities with the Christmas program to, to prepare some things. And, and oftentimes there are cares and desires on our heart and people and our family are calling us and saying, hey, what are you doing for the holidays? How many of you are in that same boat, right? We're not even out of October and family's like, what are you doing for the holidays? Come on, when are you coming to see me? And it tears at your heart. 
You know what? For me, for me, I know it's not it's not hard, right? It's not hard to say no to the in-laws. I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) But listen, I understand that Christmas and the holidays are a great time to witness for for Christ. I understand that there are people that will never come into church uh, except for Easter and Christmas. And it's our opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not going to be with the family on Christmas. Why? Because I'm doing something greater. I'm loving people like Christ loved people. I'm giving them the gospel like Christ gave the gospel. And, 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 and that's what our focus is. And a lot of times we get so focused on the approval and, 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 and I desire to be with my family. And I, Don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing. But, but we put that on the altar of, well, I don't need, we don't need to be in church. We don't need to be faithful to these things. Uh, a family is priority. And I think in this culture, Jesus is hitting uh, these disciples right in the middle of the head. Right between the eyes. And he's saying, listen, you need your love towards your family. Even your own kids, even your own parents should pale in comparison to how much you love me. And listen, I love my kids. I love, 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 love my kids. I just every opportunity I get to be uh, with Danielle and sit and read books to her and and, uh, you know, play all kinds of little fun games. And and yeah, sometimes we pull out the little playhouse and yeah, sometimes I got to pretend to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, drinking the tea out of the little teacup. Right. I'm that kind of dad. It's okay. I love it. Little Hudson, he can't really do much right now. But I'll tell you what, when I'm holding him and he looks up at me and he gives me that little goofy smile with no teeth. Man, that lights me up. I just love it. Uh, even this morning, I was getting ready, and, and uh, little Hudson was just kind of laying there, and he's looking up at the ceiling, and I don't know what he's looking at, but all of a sudden, he just gets his big old smile. And I'm getting ready, and I'm going over to the bathroom, and I'm tying my tie, and I'm combing my hair, and I'm brushing my teeth, and, and I just thought, wow, I'm going to miss that little guy. I'll see him when I get to church. A little tear comes down my eye. You know, in my heart, I desire to be with my kids and to spend time with them. But I love, one thing I love more than my own kids, my own wife, my own family, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I count it a privilege that I could come up here today and I could proclaim His Word. Why? Because I love Jesus. I counted a joy that I get to work uh, in this ministry and come in every, uh, almost every day of the week and say, I get to serve Jesus. Why? Because I love Him. And I hope that you have that same desire that you say, yeah, I I value my family. I value my kids. I value all this. I know that the the family is really my first ministry. But you know what? I need to love the Lord uh, God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. I need to love Him and follow Him. And I need to let all these things Just go to the wayside compared to my love for God. We need His approval, the Savior's approval. Letter B, a submissive attitude. A submissive attitude. Earlier we looked at the flesh's desire for soul authority. The first three verses of James chapter 4 talks about uh, the disaster that comes from a rebellious and lustful heart. If you are going to deny yourself, then... You must learn how to submit to Christ and fully let him be in charge. 
James 4, verse 6. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it for us. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud. Let me illustrate that. Anybody ever seen some maybe really tall individual? And maybe they're older, maybe they're stronger. And then you got this little kid. All right? And he's got no muscle on him, right? Just a little, just a little kid. And he's going to run up and he's going to try to tackle that big individual. And then sometimes that individual just kind of puts his hand right on his head. Have you ever seen some kind of cartoon or something like that? And the little individual is kind of like running in place, just trying to get to that big individual, trying to take him down. And all the big individual has to do is just stand there like this. Right? You understand what I'm saying? That is what happens when we have pride in our heart against God. God stands there and says, you will be no more productive. You will be no more successful. You are not going to go any further until you calm your pride down. Because without me, you can do nothing. And I need to be the sole authority in your life. Because if I let you do what you want to do, you're going to get hurt. You're going to fall flat on your face. And sometimes God allows us to go through times where our own pride causes some destruction. Just so we can be reminded that <laughs> I really don't have everything uh, put together like I think I do. And, and so God resists the proud, but look here, but God gives grace unto the humble. He gives his ability in spite of our inability. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I love that verse. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Do you know you don't need to go the full distance to meet God? God, as he looks to you and he sees that you are starting to pursue him, guess what he does while you're doing that? He says, I will draw nigh to you. Listen, you don't need to go the full distance. God will meet you halfway. Amen. And so I love that God says, if you'll stop pursuing Satan, and you'll resist him and say, forget you, I'm going over here, and you start heading this way, guess what? God's going to meet you on the half step. He's right there. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to be uh, 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 your God, and he's ready to have rule and reign. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Purify uh, your hearts, you double-minded. Uh, you cannot be a disciple of Christ unless you bear your cross. You cannot bear your cross unless you are denying yourself. So are you denying yourself? Are you more concerned with social acceptance or the Savior's approval? Having sole authority or having a submissive Attitude. You must, we must, we must submit our own will, our own desires to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us see, and we're done. Spiritual ambition. Spiritual ambition. Ephesians 4 24. This is the passage of Scripture we talked about putting off the former conversation. Now, bringing it back full circle, we're putting things on. The Bible says this, verse number 24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We've taken off the cloak of sin. We've taken off our own selfish ambitions. 
We've submitted ourselves to, to God and being vulnerable to Him so that we can take on the new coat, the new man, and be robed in true holiness and righteousness that is right standing with our Savior. There's another list that included it, uh, going forward in, in verse number 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. To everything on these lists, there's an antithesis. To being kind one to another, the natural flesh wants to be mean. I grew up in the great city of Philadelphia. Okay, The city of brotherly love. Isn't that a funny statement? How many of you ever been to Philadelphia? Okay, It's like... Uh, it's like, it's like being in Connecticut on steroids, okay? Uh, they still have mean drivers, right? They got a, a rich history that they boast about, right? All these different things. Uh, but I'll tell you, the one thing that they really boast about is that they are the city of brotherly love. I'll tell you what, you cut one of those guys off, they'll tell you how much they love you. <laughs> not a great environment, not a great example of brotherly love. A lot of us will leave these doors and we'll have the same love as those people. But we need to put that off. And we need to be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. I love that word tender. I love, I'm going to go home today and we're going to eat. And last night my wife was making, making some food in preparation for lunch today. One of my favorite things to come home to is the crock pot. You walk in, in our house... You, you get up to the door. You don't even have to open the door. You, you already start smelling it. All right. That must mean we don't have enough insulation. But uh, we're, we're we're trying to get into get into the house, and I, I feel bad for my dog. My dog's there, just smelling this whole thing the whole time. And, uh, and so we get in the door, and I love my wife makes some some chicken, and it's been in the crock pot all day, some kind of beef, some kind of roast, and it comes down on the plate, and you take the knife. And you don't even have to saw. You just kind of drop it on, and the meat just goes, right? Soft. That's what tenderheartedness is. Tenderheartedness is not a lot has to come about without you just starting to, to fall apart emotionally for somebody. Sometimes somebody will bring cares. And even just before I got up here, I was, uh, I was thinking of a pastor who is a great influence and example in my life. He's going through a great hardship right now. And I just thought back to when I was a little kid in elementary school and I looked up to him as my pastor and, and I just I wanted to be just like him. And I wanted to put on the suit just like he put on the suit. And I, I wanted to have the shoes just like he put on the shoes. I wanted to say amen when he said amen because he was an example to me. And, and this morning I was thinking about the specific hardship that he's going through with him and his family. And I, I sat there in the front row and I pulled out my phone and I just texted him. And there was a, a spirit within me that was just soft towards what he's going through. Having a heartache. You know what compassion is? Compassion is your hurt in my heart. Compassion is your hurt in my heart. I texted him and I said I was thinking about him today and I'm thankful for his faithfulness and his example. As I'm about to get up here and, and be able to model what he modeled for me so many years in ministry. Of course, I sent the text and then I saw there was a great typo. 
That ended that, right? It was like, oh, I feel so emotional. And then you see a text and you get angry. How many of you are like that? You send a text and all of a sudden you look back at it and you're like, now I look like an idiot. Uh, uh, but uh, I, 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 tender-hearted towards people, forgiving one another. Somebody asked me before the service, what should I do about a situation? Should I always forgive? And the answer is yes. Because what's the alternative? Not forgiving? What does that do? Forgiving doesn't, unforgiving uh, spirit doesn't hurt the person you're not forgiving. A lot of times they don't care. You don't forgive me? I'll get on with my life. What do you matter to me, right? But when we choose to forgive, we choose to not allow bitterness in our heart. We choose to live a life of peace. And we live, we live with Christ as our supreme example. As He forgave us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to put on these things this morning. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. We see in chapter 5, verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. We're watching. We're looking out. We've got our binoculars on. We're looking around. I don't, I don't want to allow any sin to come into my life. I don't want any pride to step foot in my life. I'm watching from all angles when my sin may flare up. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the... Spirit, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You understand why we sing the songs that we sing? We're singing psalms, hymns, and what is that next word? Spiritual songs. Singing and making melodies in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father of the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We're talking about ambition here. God desire to do these things. They don't just happen. You need to press. You need to uh, uh, say, I am determined. I am focused. That I'm not just going to uh, hope that these things fall on me. I'm going to actively take off the cloak of, uh, of unrighteousness and put on the new man, which is righteousness and true holiness. It takes work. Many people do not grow in the Lord because they have no real desire deep down inside to please God with their life. That's what it comes down to. As we leave here today, there are many, I believe, as I've talked to you and as I know this church, there are many in here that have a true desire to say, I'm here for church to know what the will of the Lord is and to follow in it. But unfortunately, no matter how hard we preach, no matter how hard we persuade, no matter how hard we beg and plead, there are still people that will leave here and not bat an eye to the truth that was preached this morning. You need to will to do it. You need to say, God, I am actively working to deny myself and to put on righteousness. As I walk with Christ, He grows my ambition to be more like Him. Are you denying yourself? Which is winning the battle? The flesh or the spirit? The desires of my flesh or my devotion to Christ? My sinful appetites or my spiritual ambition? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
Follow me. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus until you first learn to deny yourself. So are you? Which is winning the battle? The desires of your flesh or the devotion to Christ? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask a series of questions to you this morning. One of the most important decisions anybody can ever make within the sound of my voice is understanding if they're going to heaven when they die. We've talked much about the Lord. We've talked much about having a relationship with the Lord. But the very first step before you can truly deny yourself is coming after Christ. It's going to the Lord. And I wonder if the sound of my voice, if there's not somebody in here today that would say, Pastor Andrew, with an upraised hand, I do not know if I were to die today that I would go to heaven. Is there anybody like that with me this morning? You say, Pastor Andrew, you've been speaking about having a relationship with God, but I'm not totally certain that if I were to die today that I would go to heaven. I don't know that I have a relationship with God the way that I should. Uh, can you pray for me? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to uh, do anything to, uh, to, to make you feel uncomfortable. I just want to see with an upraised hand, you say, Pastor Andrew, please pray for me. I don't know that if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. Maybe there's somebody today with an upraised hand. You say, Pastor Andrew, I have allowed my flesh to win the battle more times than I want. And I want to make a change today. You say, Pastor, please pray for me. Would you, would you lift your hand? Pastor, I've, I've allowed way too much of my flesh to win the battle. And it's time that I go home with an active will to submit to God. Thank you for your honesty. You can, you can lower your hands.